Titus 2, verses 9 and 10. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1858-1858. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it submit to their true master. As the church in the West has left the gospel message further and further behind, American society has, has seen a steady moral decline. Instead of going back to the message of saving grace, Christians have looked to the, to the political realm to wage their battles. In the 70s, we saw the rise of the religious right. And in the 2000s, it was the power of the evangelical vote. And on the other side of the the aisle, we, we, we've seen the, the social justice movement. What, what Western Christians have essentially done is politicize their problems, hoping that legislative actions will solve these moral issues. And for the past 50 plus years, this has been the, the cornerstone of the American faith. Instead of a message of Christ dying for our sins and rising from the dead victorious, Christians have put their trust in politicians and not in the word of God. And instead of stemming the tide, we have seen things worsen. Over the years, there have been many pastors that have fallen prey to this false hope. They are convinced that if we get the right man or the, or the right woman elected, then the current narrative in this country will change. And so they put both their money and their efforts into politics in order to see the change that they want. Yet here's what they fail to see. Politics doesn't drive our culture. Story does. It is through a message that society is being pulled into a different direction. The message of individual autonomy. A basic narrative stating that, that a person can govern themselves. And within this story, the, the individual becomes the sole arbitrator of truth. This goes against the biblical message. A message of an almighty God who, who condemns sin and saves by grace. In our passage for today, the Apostle Paul dealt with the issue of slavery. Now, before we, we dig into how Paul handled such a thing, let's, let's first define what Paul was talking about. When you think of slavery today, a whole mess of issues come to the fore. You live in a, in a country where one of the worst forms of slavery occurred. Basically, men and women were stolen from their homes from their families, from their countries. And then they were, they were sold at auction and forced into hard labor under brutal conditions. 
But it wasn't just any men and women who suffered, but black men and black women. You see, this was also a racial issue that our country was facing. So in America, when you, when you think of slavery, you see the sins of greed, violence, and racism, to say the least. In first century Crete, under, the, under Roman rule, slavery was also a common practice. In fact, it is estimated that roughly two-thirds of, of all the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Think about that for a moment. However, the, the slavery of the Romans looked slightly different. First, the Romans weren't so concerned about skin color. Rather, they were, they were readily happy to enslave anyone. So racism wasn't really the issue there. Second, when, while some of these slaves were, were men and women that were captured during war, for the most part, the, the men and women that were under bondage were what we would term today as bond servants. What is a bond servant? A bond servant is a person who sold him or herself into slavery. Now, why would a person do that? Well, it was either to pay off a huge debt or they were stuck in the, the lowest rung of the economic barrel. You see, a, a slave serving in a household typically had a better lifestyle than that of a free peasant. They could earn money on the side and, and even over time, they had a chance to purchase their freedom back. And many actually did so. Now, this isn't to say that, that the system wasn't corrupt, because it was. And at times, there was, there was abuse, for these masters had absolute authority. And it was usually the women and the children who suffered. But for the most part, slaves were considered an extended part of a household. And some even received an inheritance from their master. That being said, this is the situation that Paul dealt with in almost all of the churches. Many of the members were, were, were slaves of households, and Crete was no exception. The question is, how did Paul deal with such an issue? Before I answer this, let me share with you first what Paul did not do. One he, he did not try to create change through political means. Granted, there probably wasn't much that Paul could have been able to accomplish under the Roman legal system unless he wanted to start a rebellion. Yet, Paul consistently told the church to remain obedient to their earthly rulers. Second, Paul didn't ignore the issue either. Instead, we read things like what we just read earlier in Titus 2, verses 9 and 10. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. If you recall, Paul had instructed Titus to teach what was in accord with sound doctrine. 
He then gave specific instructions to the, the different social categories within the church. He distinguished between age and sex, and now here, slaves. Now, it had always been Paul's practice to, to advise Christians to remain in the station of life into which they were saved. And he made no exceptions with slaves. Instead, what do we see? He commands Titus to teach them to be subject to their masters in everything. In this individualistic, autonomous society that we live in today, Americans have a, have a real issue with the word subject and master. We don't like to be told what to do. Hence, authority figures are viewed as either incompetent or evil. Paul held a very different view. For him, being obedient to a master was a praiseworthy thing. You see, there was a, a stereotype concerning the slaves in the first century. They were considered to be lazy and argumentative and prone to steal. And Paul knew this. That is why he gave to Titus three ways that slaves could be subject to their masters. One, to try to please them. Two, not to talk back to them, and three, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. Let's look at the first one, to try to please them. Please them how? It was expected of slaves to do their tasks, not only to do them well, but also in a timely manner. They were to be diligent workers, and at the time, many masters would, would motivate their slaves to such excellence by giving them the hope that one day they, could be, they too could become a free person. Paul desired a different motive altogether. Look at Colossians 3, verses 22 through 24. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Do you see the difference? In the first case, pleasing their master was was for selfish means, hard work in the hopes of freedom. What Paul described is a motivation to please the Lord. A slave was to remember all that Christ had done for them and let that be their inspiration. It's no different for you today. Let me ask you, why do you go to work five days a week? Is it to please your boss? Somehow I doubt it. it. It's to better your situation in life, is it not? Let me ask you children out there. When your parents give you a chore to do, why do you do it? Is it to make your parents' life better? 
Or is it to earn an allowance or to not get in trouble? God wants you to think differently when you approach your work. He wants you to serve out of a, out of a devotion towards him. When you, when you think of your boss giving you a command or your, or your parents giving you a chore, you should consider this command as coming directly from the Lord. Moving on, Paul's second point, not to talk back to them. Here, Paul is thinking of that unruly slave who is ill-mannered and rebellious. Not rebellious in the sense that he doesn't do his work, rather one who is rebellious in his heart. Look at Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Not only is it wise for a slave to remain silent, but, but the tongue is also an indicator to a man's soul. A master who, who hears such talk from his slave will not look fondly on that person. Again, in, in our culture today, we, we see much of the same attitude. Ask yourselves, do you ever talk bad about your boss behind his back? Do you find your, yourself muttering remarks under your breath as, as your boss walks away from you? For your children out there, what about your parents? Do you argue with them? How about your teachers at school? Do you say bad things about your teacher? God desires for you to use your lips in an uplifting manner. And finally, Paul's third point, not to steal, but to show that they can be fully trusted. You see, often slaves, they were, they were so eager to earn their freedom that they, they would have their hand in the cookie jar, embezzling their master's wealth. A Christian slave must not be this way. They must be content in their place in life and not be greedy. They must respect the property of their master and in doing so, earn their trust. You may not be a slave trying to win back your freedom. However, the same principle applies today. Are you honest in your dealings at work? Have you earned the confidence of your employer? For your, ch for your children out there, do, do you show yourself trustworthy to your parents? Are you respectful of their things? Or perhaps when they buy you something, whether it's new clothes or, or a new toy, are, are you thankful? And do you treat those things with care? So, so why does Paul direct Titus to teach slaves these things? So that in every way, they'll make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Again, Paul has the respectability of the church in mind here. Just as the young and the old should learn to be model citizens for the furtherance of the gospel, so too slaves need to learn how to be model workers so that Christ would be extolled. 
often in Greco-Roman culture, slaves would be attracted to new religions. And part of this was due to their lowly position in life. These, these fresh beliefs offered, offered a hope they had never heard before. Yet it was also common that these new religions caused disruption in many of the households. Paul did not want the Christian faith to be a cause for any upheaval. Rather, he desired that the the good news would be validated by a submissive spirit so that these skeptical masters would see a positive change and be attracted to the gospel. Dear friends, you live in a world that is much different than first century Crete. You are fortunate to live in a society where slavery is outlawed. And yet there are still authoritarian figures in place. There are employers and supervisors and and teachers and parents. There are government officials such as governors, judges, and police officers. That being said, this autonomous culture of today doesn't doesn't place a high value on authority figures. And so many in these positions, they no longer expect to be shown the respect that they have earned. Think about it. How how strange would it be for, for a boss nowadays to not only find an employee doing excellent work, but to be esteemed by that employee as well? When a Christian puts forth a respectful attitude, an honoring speech, and a good work ethic, this demonstrates to the world that God's saving message produces positive results. And it makes the teaching about Christ attractive. How did Paul handle the situation of slavery? He didn't seek a political solution. No. Instead, he viewed such things as an occasion for the gospel to be advanced. What men had meant for evil, God meant for good. Slavery was another opportunity to demonstrate Christian submission to their true master in heaven. And it was able to bring the lost to the realization that true freedom can only come through Jesus. Our first scripture reading today expresses this. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 20 through 24. Each one should remain in the situation which he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freed man. Similarly, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God called him to. Just as slaves were to be subject to their masters, you too are to be subject to your Master, Christ purchased you. He did so by the the blood he poured out upon the cross. 
He redeemed you from the bondage of sin. And he has made you a slave of God. And the benefit that you reap is godliness and the hope of eternal life. After all, it was, it was Christ who submitted to his Father by going to the cross. And he did so to purchase you. You see, when you, when you fail to be the, the dutiful slave that God has called you to be, Jesus did it for you. Therefore, as, as you consider your attitude towards the authorities that are in your life, you should be mindful of the example that, that Christ has set out for you. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let us pray. Father, we confess that we, we love being our own masters. We love personal autonomy and, and what we think is true freedom. Change our hearts. Aid us as we, as we look to your son and how, and how he purchased us as he went to the cross. Help us to submit to your will by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.